This episode of Spread the Floor is brought to you by Joshua Sodder, designer and illustrator. The design world can be intimidating to navigate, and finding a high-quality designer who won't kill your budget can be super difficult. Fortunately, our friend Joshua Sodder provides a fantastic solution. Joshua has done tons of work for us here at Spread the Floor, including the design of our logo, as well as designs for our social media. He always listens to our ideas and requests, keeps in touch with us through the process, and gives us a ton of great options to choose from and work with. He's a true professional and goes above and beyond to collaborate with us on whatever project we have in mind. You can check out Joshua's work for yourself by going to joshuasodder.com and browsing through his portfolio. He's done some incredible work for Kent State University's Apple Store, startups and agencies all across the country, and podcasts like Mad About Movies. Check out joshuasodder.com or his Instagram at joshuathedesigner and hit him up for all your design and illustration needs, from logos to merchandise, branding to websites, and tell him we sent you. Thanks, Joshua. Now on to the show. Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Anthony Bennett to my Michael Oliver Candy. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? That is a very prestigious <laughs> or anti-prestigious <laughs> duo. Yeah, we're not we're not I was turning just talking a lot about, of heads with that. With that yeah, combo. I was just talking about yeah. Anthony Bennett in one of our group texts today mm-hmm. because I said something to the effect of, I think this could be another draft that has an Anthony Bennett style <laughs> surprise. And that's really sad for Anthony sure. Bennett that, yeah. that, hey, look, is, that is his punchline. <laughs> between us, as Michael Albuquerque and, uh, and Anthony Bennett, we've got about 14 feet, $80 million, and zero skill. So that's, that's good. That's hey, good. but at and, least Candy was like, the consensus number one, you know, by yeah, some people, I, I would, you know, Anthony Bennett yeah, was, we were, was we were watching off. that draft yeah. together uh-huh. and is that the Nerland's year? Yeah. I think yeah. it, and like, we were all like, oh, okay, Nerland's Noel, he's going to mm-hmm. go number one. And then bam, like, and it just, and then it just exploded. And like, I, I think, I don't think I recovered for that from that for like 45 minutes. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was wild. And then I ran off down the street in anger because the Mavs draft, uh, Olenek that yeah. draft as well. Um, I left my own house cause I was so angry about that. So that's probably good for my anger. Um, <laughs> I would really love to go back and, and do deep dive on the, on the 98 draft and what consensus really was and what other people were actually, because like the internet was young then there weren't mm-hmm. nearly as many sites and mock drafts and all this sort of stuff. I would really love to know just truly gun to your head, all 15 teams that were up, you know, that were in the lottery or close to the lottery. If you had the number one pick who, who they would have picked at that time, I would, I would love to know because yeah. that is such an all time draft class. And also Michael Alvacandy went number one. And it's just, it, that's so old school thinking that anyway, I, I'd be, I would love to know what the, what the actual consensus was at that time. But uh, I don't have time to research that because every single day, Tobin, every single day in the <laughs> NBA, something crazy happens. Um, I, I'm tired of preparing things for, you know, how much listeners know I, I'm a big preparer. I like spreadsheets and Google docs and, 
and research and all this sort of stuff. And uh, once again this week, I put all this stuff together. I say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it's going to be mostly this. And then by the time I just like, by the time I got home today, it was like, jeez, and crack, like every everything was was wild. And we have a million things to talk about because the NBA offseason is better than every other sports season. So mm-hmm. it's it's going now, man. Um, do we even need to talk about like the 2020 21 season and the the stuff that has come out to this point or i don't i mean do should we just run through it or or skip over i don't even i feel like anyone who's listening to this probably knows the players and the owners are in agreement the season's going to start on december 22nd there's still a few things to work out they did the escrow thing free agency is going to begin 48 hours after the draft which is by the way a big part of this episode today we're going to talk about the draft in ad nauseum i guess um and uh, we've we've artificially inflated the salary cap. I believe it's going to sit at $112 million or something like that this year, Tobin. And it is guaranteed to sit around, the, I think it, maybe 115 next year, something like that. They, they have said guaranteed it's going to sit at these numbers no matter what, uh, no matter what the actual numbers are. Yeah, and I think the luxury tax hold was like 135 or something like that. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So there's ramifications of that, um, and there's there will be a lot of so, so a couple of things just from a financial standpoint. Players who have a an opt in this year, especially someone like Gordon Hayward, who has a huge option for this year, as compared to what we would expect his contract would be next year, I think now have a bit of an incentive to go ahead and opt into that, because the escrow amount is going to be broken up over two years. Um, it makes more sense for him now to go ahead and opt into his deal this year and then uh, sign a contract wherever he signs, whether he stays in Boston or moves on somewhere else, sign a contract somewhere else next offseason because that will, you know, it'll alleviate some of the the, the number crunch that he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this time last week, the what the owners were threatening, it would have made much more sense for per, perhaps for Hayward to opt out. Like it's just a weird, it's crazy how quickly that has turned around. I'm glad they got the escort thing figured out. I think the players did a good job of publicly negotiating just enough to get a decent deal out of it. Um, and the owners got what they want, which is game starting on on December 22nd. So yeah, we're totally we're all kind of locked in there. I maybe. Maybe we have more time to revisit that later once schedules come out and things like yeah. that. But you know, whatever. Well, the the only plus side of this so far for me is that now I kind of understand what escrow is, mm-hmm. and so now sure. that I'm yeah. you know a homeowner, mm-hmm. I can be like, yeah, oh, okay, I get that now. Right? Because it didn't, of the it didn't help the two times you bought a house. <laughs> you needed it. You yeah. needed it put into NBA terms. So I get it. Yeah. I'm with you exactly. That. So thank you, Adam Silver, for helping me understand what. It's yeah. like to be a homeowner yeah. now. So your wife is happy now with Adam Silver because you understand <laughs> things a little bit. Yeah, that for real is a word that when people talk what? about it, yeah. like I do that Joey Tribbiani, like <laughs> oh yeah, right, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, totally, totally. Okay, we're gonna move on from that point right now. We have a whole bunch of little. I say little. They're not really little. There's a whole bunch going on in the NBA, but we do want to save some time at the end of this for draft talk for outside of the top ten, which we've done. We've we've covered pretty pretty heavily over the last few weeks, but we do want to get to some of those other teams and other, other players that are uh, potentially in the teens, twenties and thirties and whatnot. And uh, guys we like guys, we don't like, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to get to that, but there's just so much news coming out right now. Fans are going to be right now, as it stands, fans will be allowed in some arenas around the league uh, when the season begins on December 22nd, that will be done 
by area, by local uh, regulations and things like that. Like I saw that the Warriors, the, the Lakers, the Warriors, I assume all the California teams, they will not have any any fans in attendance. Mm-hmm. But then you'll get to places like uh, probably here. And I would imagine the AAC will be some, I imagine the AAC will be 25%. And, and then there may be maybe a team to the south of us that would go 50% maybe. I don't know. We're going to see. I, I guess I guess we'll see how it plays yeah. out. But it's it's... You are officially, if your city and state allow for it, you can have 25 to 50% uh, occupancy with all of these things checked off the, the list, including mm-hmm. including rapid testing uh, on site, which I think could be very interesting. Yeah, and I think that that's, it's almost a genius play by the NBA because it takes it out of their hands in uh-huh. some respects. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and it's easy for teams to... At least I think it is. I think it's easy for the Lakers to say, no, we're not going to do that, and thank you for the option, but no, no thanks, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. And if you say you have to have rapid rapid testing, like, that's an easy out for the teams to also say, well, we can't afford that, and that doesn't make sense, sure. so yeah. we're just going to stick, you know? Because, I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah, you'll get 50% capacity, but how much money are you going to have to put in to keep that afloat, you uh-huh. know? And so... Yeah. They, I think, and also it gives them the flexibility to, you know, Lord willing, if the numbers start going down and mm-hmm. things start getting normal around, I don't know, February, March or whatever, it gives them the chance to just, instead of waiting for NBA input, they could be like, oh, okay, now we're going to do it, you know, and just sure. jump right in. So I think it's, I think it's a great move really for everybody, but that definitely smart for the NBA, NBA brass for sure. sure. And they can always back off of that too. I mean, I, I think I'm not, this is not a political thing at all. I know I don't ever want to get into that on this show, but I do think we are headed to some form of a lockdown again, or or I think it'll be different than it was when we did that in March and April. But I think we're heading in, in that direction for on some level. So perhaps they just come back and say, "Hey, actually, no fans, and we're going to do this and that and whatnot." But especially if we start getting more access to rapid testing, which the NBA has been literally on the forefront of, which is crazy. Um, Mm-hmm. That the NBA is so much more successful with this stuff than than our our own government is, but uh, yeah, if we get more rapid testing and with the 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 the, the news of the potential of uh, of a, of a vaccine in March and potentially everyone has access to a vaccine by I think what Fauci said was end of April or something like that. Now I I assume that's probably optimistic and things could always go wrong between now and then. But I, I guess my point is I could see this kind of ebbing and flowing, and then once we get to the playoffs. If mm-hmm. those things line up, then you may be closer to packed houses, or maybe all the way. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see. Next summer is gonna be just wild, dude. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if we do, if we are able to get access to vaccines and all that sort of stuff, I think next summer is just gonna be like <laughs> like MTV Spring Break for everybody. Oh, yeah. it's just be like we I said am that. Go I think we said that off the air. Yeah. When we thought this was gonna be a little blip on the radar, <laughs> I think we I think we said something like. Man, July is going to be crazy because yeah. everybody's going to finally be able to yeah. do stuff. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so we now you nothing. take that, yeah. yeah, you take that and you times it by a thousand, yeah. and you're right. Well, yeah, when the vaccine hits, yeah, totally. yeah, it's and it's totally. gonna it's gonna be like you know Mad Max all over it, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> people going nuts That's driving right. across the desert, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I've been learning how to to play a flaming guitar for the last six months, yeah, so I could be you. prepared. That's, that's good. Can be prepared for the Thunderdome. Okay, let's move right along. We have uh, I. I'm just gonna throw this out there. We have finally, <laughs> finally, we have a coach in 
Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder have promoted their assistant coach whose name is Mark. And I what I have been told the pronunciation is Dagnalt. Dagnalt. Is, there's no way that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe people are saying it that way, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when I look at that, I think like you know, Louisiana Cajun, I think Dagno or, yeah, or you sure, know, Dagno sure. or something like that. So but you, you know you, you got any more Dagno <laughs> I saw this pop across like my Twitter during the day and I, I texted you and I was like, dang, I kind of forgot the thunderstorm <laughs> to hire a coach. And they went with one of the most under the radar hirings on top of that. So I don't know anything about him. What do you know about Dagnall? Uh, he's 35 years old. So he's pretty I think that makes him the youngest coach in the league. Um, he went to the university of Connecticut. Uh, go Huskies. He's been their G league, G, G league coach as recently okay. as two years ago. He's only had, he only has one year as an assistant with the thunder, but he was their G league coach prior good, to good. that. So, um, you know, look, I, I like the method of hiring G League guys. I think it's I think it's a smart deal. And this fits what the Thunder are trying to do, we think. Yes, and that's exactly right. It's like you need some guy to come in and just get, you know, railroaded with losses. And you're about to trade Chris Paul, and you're about to be really bad. So let's just let this guy come in and, you know, and if, if he turns out to be Eric Spolster, then he turns out to be Eric Spolster. Sure. But right, you right, know. right, yeah. But if not, then in two or three years, whenever you have a – better infrastructure then you go from there so mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree. yeah i totally agree i think i mean i'd rather do that than i mean there's guys out there who deserve more chance like it's still shocking to me that Yumi doka hasn't gotten hired um it's surprising and maybe a little bit disappointing even that becky hammond didn't get a job this year um mm-hmm. you know there's there's other names out there but i would much prefer you hire somebody like this, who is familiar with your organization, that it's come up through your G League organization system, or, or in the case of other guys like the you know other trusted G League situations and stuff, I would much prefer that than like, hey, we hired PJ Carlissimo, you know, or or whatever. Um, so, I think that's you know we have I have have no idea if this guy can coach or not, but I I prefer this to like going the super retread route. So good for him. And again, I think it fits what we think the Thunder are going to do. Speaking of the Thunder, big news yesterday, uh, the scuttlebutt around the league, if you will, was that Chris Paul was being targeted by the Phoenix Suns. So, we, okay, Chris Paul is gone. We can officially say that at this point. Like, he is going to get traded somewhere, right? Do you think it's more than a 10% chance that he is a member of the Thunder on December 22nd? There is, I would even say less than that. Like, I think even more with this coaching hiring, that that's the final. If there was, if there was a chance that he was going to be back, that was the it. That's it for me. Because like, why is he going to come in and play for this mm-hmm. kid who's literally yeah. younger than him? Seriously, you know? <laughs> they're the literal same age. So yeah, yeah. And you know, and I think there's a if if there wasn't a market for Chris Paul, which there's, it's still surprising me that there's a market for him. If there mm-hmm. wasn't a market, then it'd be a little bit different. But um, it seems that there is quite a large market for him. So you might as well. I mean, in, in Sam Presti's not afraid to go out there and shake things up. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, the, the Did you say who this the rumor was? Like, I guess I forgot. But the rumor that came out yesterday was the um, was the Suns. So I, I, I have thoughts about yeah. that, but I will wait until you 
Yeah, share, that that was the one. I mean, look, we he is gone. He supposedly he has said that he wants to play in New York or L.A., but it hasn't been at least that I've seen that hasn't been like officially like, hey, this is I'm demanding to go to one of these two places. Um, you know, hey, you don't really have that much. I I think Oklahoma City wants to do right by him. I do believe that. I think mm-hmm. that there's a. I'm not necessarily that they would turn down a great deal from a team that doesn't put him in a position to potentially contend for a title, but but uh, you know I think they would prefer to to send him somewhere that he wants to go, and the team that get, that brings him in, obviously you want him to be there. We'll talk about that that same phenomenon in a second um, with another player who mm-hmm. uh, is requesting his dismissal, but. But also, the guy makes forty-two million dollars. It's not going to be easy <laughs> to find yeah. to find targets for this. So it's it's you know it's, or you know it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Yeah, Phoenix was the rumor. It was making a pretty pretty serious headway yesterday, and including like Mikhail Bridges tweeting emojis and things like that. So we're into that silly season now at this point. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about Chris Paul to to the Suns? I think it makes sense for the Suns. Um, in some respects, because especially if, I mean, the, the, the mocks I've seen, not the mocks, but like the, the fake trades I've seen are like basically Rubio and Ubre or, you know, Rubio and Saric and their 10 for Chris Paul. And that, that's a little steep, I think, mm-hmm. especially if you're taking on the money in it. But, you know, they, they finished really hot and they started really hot last year. And maybe they think that with him, they could sneak into like a six, seven seed in the Western conference. So for them, I get it. But for, for Chris Paul, which I know he can't control this technically, but it doesn't make any sense. Like if you really are wanting to win a ring, you're not going to win with, with the Suns. you yeah. know, like that's, yeah, and that's totally. the thing is like, like you're probably not going to win with the Knicks either, but at least no, you're playing in Madison square yeah. garden at that point, you know, <laughs> sure. but I don't know. This kind of feels like the shack to the Suns situation where it's like, are they going to go there again because they have the greatest training staff ever, which is still, I don't think it's necessarily true anymore, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense for Chris Paul to me. Um, the, the, yeah, the stuff I saw today was that they're starting to try to get a third team involved. So I'm assuming that, um, that means that they're probably trying to, to, defer some more money out when you know and get rid of some bad contracts or something but mm-hmm. they i think the suns can do it pretty easily but you know if i'm the you know thunder i'm not really sure that i i don't know if, if rubio uber in, in the 10 is enough but also if you're the suns i'm not sure if that might be too much like it's really weird because yeah you know he might be helpful but he also is old and is making 42 million dollars so i think he's harder to value than maybe we give it credit for because sure because of what you said, like he makes so much money and that's like there. I mean, I'm certain that Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Clippers, and probably a handful of other teams would be happy to pay Chris Paul that money because they believe we are, you know, not the Lakers. Mm -hmm. They're not one step away. They want it, but you know what I mean? Like that we are contenders and this guy fits a need and we don't care, but, but making the move to get him is difficult. It's really hard to find a team that, wants Chris Paul that Chris Paul wants to play for and that has money, you know, and contracts to send out to make it happen. It's it's not an easy it's not easy to come up with. So like for Phoenix, I'm on the record as saying I think the bubble was a little bit of fool's gold. I think they played really well in the bubble. I'm not trying to take anything away from sure. them. And Monty Williams did a great job with that team of just making them a professional basketball team because they super were not for the 
the previous three seasons or, or five seasons or whatever before that. But, like, to me, this feels a little bit overdriven by the 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 noise that Devin Booker wants out of Phoenix already that this to me this kind of reeks of we want we want to show Devin Booker that we're serious and we're going to go get a guy that's going to help us I just don't see how that puts you over the top as like now we're a top 4 team in the west in the west mm-hmm. you know I mean it's it's just stacked like I you think might Phoenix, not even be a playoff team in that sense. Yeah, to be honest to, with you. no, I, I I'm with you. And Ubre Ubre had a good year last year. Like it's yeah. not like he's a, it's not like he's a bench player that you're not going to lose much with. You know, like sure. He, I'm not. He's a, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I mean, an I know neither one of us are Ubre guys, but it's not like you're trading away. You know, scraps that Chris Paul is going to mm-hmm. automatically mm-hmm. feel. You know, like that's that's the thing. Like sure. I don't know. No, I, I'm with you. Like I'm not a big Ubre guy, but the it is very apparent just from watching listening and watching to what people are saying that, that the market on Ubre is really high. And so I think way higher than it should be. I don't really totally get it, but it doesn't really matter. I, it's just, it's, it's just kind of an odd fit. And like, to be honest with you, I, I know this, this will sound crazy. I don't, I genuinely mean this. This is not Chris Paul hate Ryan Gill coming out. I really mean this because Chris Paul was really, really good last year. I had him all NBA second team, and that's where he finished. And he totally deserved it. He was really, really good last year. Mm-hmm. He is not all that much better than what Ricky Rubio is doing for the Suns at this point, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, he is an improvement in almost every area, but they're, it's, it's incremental, mm-hmm. it's incremental uh, improvements, in my, in my opinion. And, and, <laughs> This maybe I I'm not super sure that Devin Booker like and DeAndre Ayton are gonna be real thrilled with Chris Paul gonna come in and and pull the Chris Paul stuff you know like mm-hmm. I think that worked really well with Oklahoma City last year because none of those guys were established except for like Stephen Adams who's just like the coolest dude in the world and so. I don't think he had a lot of a lot of pushback in the locker room, and I definitely think he kind of played with a chip on his shoulder type thing too. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that that exists this year. I, I would totally, I, I guess when I, I would do this if I was Phoenix, because it's fine. But I'm not a huge fan of making moves that feel like the best case scenario is now you're the seventh seed. Um, when. I would probably prefer to just kind of stay the course and see what happens when, I mean, I think they're like, if I was making, if I was looking at the West right this second, I would say they're probably somewhere between the seven and then, and the nine, seven and the 10. And if they make this deal then I'm like, yeah, they're somewhere between the seven and the nine, seven and the, I mean, it's like the same thing. The West is just really stacked. And I don't know that, mm-hmm. I don't know that Chris Paul for me makes me really believe okay they're they're better than you know some of the they're a top 6 team in the west or a top let alone a top 5 or top 4 team it's just hard but i get it if mm-hmm. if the whole thing is like we we got to show devin booker that we're serious cuz we can't lose him cuz then we have to just start completely over then i totally get it but i don't think that's way 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 too much to give up but i also on the same side for the thunder i i might be saying we probably like a little bit more than that i don't know it's it's an odd it's nothing and i would assume this is a three-team deal somewhere in there because i don't think that the thunder necessarily want to take back rubio and sar like rubio sarge and uber those types of players like they're nice guys but like 
They're not doing what you need to do. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they might help you stay in a position where you're not going to bottom out. They might they might help you win just enough games to where you get the seventh pick instead of the, the second yeah. or third pick. And that's not necessarily the place that I that Oklahoma City wants to be in, I think. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens. It For Chris Paul, you're totally right. I he does Phoenix really move the needle all that much for him? I kind of, I kind of doubt it, but I don't know. I guess we'll see another team that is potentially exploring <laughs> trades that I think are maybe a little bit foolish on their timeline. Um, we're hearing lots and lots of noise from Atlanta. We, I, I am at the point now where I'm almost in the same in that like 90, 10, split as I was with Chris Paul of like Atlanta's going to do something by draft night. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to move that pick somewhere. So the rumor yesterday was Drew Holiday. I think they and the Spurs have been have been matched up on a few things. I know Kevin O'Connor was talking about that, and that seems to have gained a little bit of steam, the DeMar DeRozan for six. Um, there's some other stuff like that. What do you think about Drew Holiday to Atlanta. Let's just start there. And then I guess if you want to extrapolate that out to like their whole plan or what seems to be their whole plan at this point. I think that it makes sense in the, for the, the I mean, not that for the Hawks, because it does give somebody in the backcourt that can play defense next to Trey young. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that obviously is probably the reason that's probably the reason why they're even considering this. Um, the thing I don't understand is kind of to the sun's point is, what do the Hawks see that th- makes them think that they are one piece away from being a contender? Or maybe they have more than one piece because, like, they they just seem to be keep popping up in a lot of people's trade, you know, fantasy trades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in, we're about to talk about another one of and players are putting them down as destinations that they want to go to. And I... I maybe I'm just missing something because we have a lot of like we laugh at the at the Hawks a lot because they could be having Luca right now. Um, but it feels like they feel like it feels like they feel like they are a couple of pieces away from making noise in the East. And I just I don't know if I see that. I think Drew Holiday definitely makes them better. Um but I don't know what pieces you're gonna have to give up for him to go there. Like you're obviously mm-hmm. gonna have to give up the six pick more than likely and I mean what do you do you know do you send Capella and in Huerta or do you um I mean I don't even know like I haven't looked at that they theoretical trade they have cap space so they could theoretically they could just take Holiday into cap space I think so they wouldn't necessarily have to send out matching but if you're the Pelicans you have like they said they have 10 teams Mm -hmm. calling about him and I just don't I don't feel like the Hawks are going to give you the best offer so it's it's I think I feel like it's one of those things where it's like if you're the Pelicans, you're just getting the six pick and you're hoping that it turns out to be somebody that you could put next to Zion. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I saw like, I saw a three team trade with like, where like Reddick and, and holiday were going out to like Philly and Atlanta respectively. And it's just like, well, that doesn't make sense yeah. to me for the Pelicans. You know, if you, if you, if the pick, cause the Pelicans are, are like the Suns are probably, you know, going to try to be, make more noise and they are closer to being mm-hmm. a competitive team yeah than the Suns are. And, and I, there's just so many things that I don't understand about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't get this at all. There's also apparently noise out there that, that holiday is like, I'm, if I get treated to Atlanta, I'm just going to opt in and that's it. See you next. I'm out after, cause he can be, he'll, he'll be a free agent after this upcoming mm-hmm. season. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of running a player who is sort of signaling. I'm not real interested in being there long term. 
I I hate what Atlanta is doing. I, I, I just, I don't get it at all. I think Travis Schlink is not good at his job. And I, I also will, in his, I guess I will say in his defense, I think, uh, I think he's getting a lot of pressure from ownership, and that's a terrible way to to manage a team. If you're a team owner, is to is to start the whole "you better make the playoffs or" kind of stuff. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's just such a it's such a foolish way to to run your team. Um, it, it promotes making stupid decisions, and to me, I think it's a very stupid decision. I like Drew Holiday a lot. I think he's i I think he's a good basketball player. Drew Holiday. I mean, I guess with Drew Holiday, you can say, "Hey, we have a, we have we feel confident with we can we can contend for the eight seed in the East." And my my response to that is, I don't care. I don't care. Like yeah. the eight seed making the playoffs. These teams that are just so horny for making the playoffs and getting swept, it just drives me. It drives me insane. I don't love. Just we got to find a balance, and I, some of these teams they just they drive me crazy with this with this stuff. I I understand the concept of we don't want to promote a culture of losing. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. problem with what Philly has gone through, and that was very clear in tanking to the top. I think a full tank the way that Philly did is actually has long term ramifications to the development of your mm-hmm. of your young players. There's got to be a a point at which you you do start to try to to win basketball games and stuff. But it also, I think it's so foolish to escalate your timeline well before you're in a place to do that. It's just, especially whenever you have a couple of players that you mean, Trey Young is not going anywhere anytime soon. Like it's not like it's not like you have to prove to him right now that he that you're going to be a winner. You know, I just I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, look, he he. This will be his third year in the league. When you draft a player that high, they they always sign the extension, the first extension. So I mean, you've you've got four more years minimum with him before you really are going to start to feel the pressure of like he's unhappy or whatever. I mean, he can, and it sounds like I mean, it's, it doesn't. It's not just sounds like. I think it's very clear at this point. There's some grumbling from him going on of wanting to win and not having guys around him that can help him and all this sort of stuff, which I, you know, I get, I, I, I like, I respect the competitiveness and all this sort of stuff. He also has to be better at making his teammates better. He's not good at that. He just isn't. He's not good at, at making his teammates better. Um, and he's got to, he's got to improve on this, but this is my, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want this to just get into Trey slander, but like, this was my problem with Trey in the draft was like, I think, and it's the, by the way, it's the same that issue that I have with LaMelo ball. It's, if you draft this guy, you have to build your team around him, and I'm not totally sure at all, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm lower on him than other people, so maybe I'm totally wrong, but even even the people who are super sold on Trey, they have to acknowledge the only way for this guy to work is if we bring him in, we build the entire team around him, we give him the ball all the time, and we just you know hope that he meets whatever potential that he has. And... Because otherwise, he's just the sixth man, an uber sixth man, you know, that comes off the bench and gets buckets. It's just, it's a, I know that sounds degrading to Trey. I'm really not trying to, to slander Trey. It's just the style of play that he plays at his size, and he will always be probably the worst defensive player in basketball. When you, when you add all those things together, you really, 
it's hard. It's hard to do. And I hate every decision that they have made in the process of trying to build around him. I just, I think it's, it's been so foolish. And if David Griffin is able to get like the sixth pick and another pick or something out of this for Drew Holiday, I just, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what, what Travis Slink is doing. I just, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get trying so hard to be the seventh seed and have the Bucks or the Celtics or the Heat destroy you in the playoffs. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's the only, the only thing I will give to their credit is that they, they're not as far away from being the five or six seed as they would be, as like the Suns would be in the in the West. And if they are yeah. thinking past next year, and if Giannis leaves the Bucks, that te- theoretically opens up some of the Eastern conference, but it's still like that team was atrocious this year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a Drew bad. holiday really signing yeah. does not give you 30 more wins. No. You know, th- that's, no. that's the thing is like, you need 30 more wins to make the playoffs than what you had well, last year. Especially if he's just going to leave in the off season. Like yeah. uh, you can't, you can't, I know this draft sucks, but you cannot give up the six pick and other assets for a guy who's, who's going to be feel like you could do year. better too. Like, I feel like you can do better with that that asset than Drew Holiday, in my I, opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. To, see, to me, DeMar DeRozan makes way more sense. Drew Holiday is a much better basketball player than than DeMar DeRozan is, but DeRozan sort of fits, to me, some of the mm-hmm. some of the stuff that they need, some of their deficiencies, and also, I think, is more likely to sign a contract in the offseason. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that, but but Holiday seems to be signaling, I'm not staying there. I'm not I'm not sticking around to play, you know, for for a bad basketball team. I don't know. I just yeah. just draft just a get better at drafting because outside of Trey they've not done a good job of drafting. I don't think Kevin Hoyer stinks. I thought DeAndre Hunter stunk. Cam Reddish, I mean, showed some little flashes and stuff, but good gracious. I mean, there's just draft somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just build. I I want to be in the I get that you want to be in the playoffs, but I want I feel like this whole thing should have been, "Hey, y'all, we are playing. We're gonna try to make the. We're gonna try to be the seventh or eighth seed in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, whatever, twenty twenty two. You know that that should have been the plan from the outset of this whole thing. But I mm-hmm. really think last year there were so many smart basketball people who were like, "Well, the Hawks, they could be, they could be in the contention for the eighth seed or the seventh seed." And I just thought that was insane. They were not good. They're not a good basketball team. I don't, I don't get it. So I, th- I think that got in their heads. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another not so good basketball team, apparently, so <laughs> the Houston Rockets. This story has evolved through the course of of the day. It's been uh, it's been no, pretty... not even a day, like the last three hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not gonna look. I, I tried really hard. I I don't think I succeeded, but I really genuinely did try to not have Trey Young slander just now when we when we talked about that the the Hawks and and Trey. I'm not going to try at all to not have Houston Rockets slander. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm enjoying this. I'm not going to lie. I feel, I, I, and I know you're in the same boat as me. It's, it's, uh, for as chesty as that team and that organization has been over the last few years, uh, to see it, I think at this point sort of inevitably go up in flames. I, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm not going to lie. So, um, in case you don't know what we are talking about, earlier today it was reported that the that both James Harden and Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, um, <laughs> had acknowledged that they're un- they're not super they're not super sold on what the Rockets are doing, and that it is quote 
It is a quote plausible eventual possibility that they will both, that they will both move on. Plausible eventual possibility kills me. That should be that should be the name of our podcast from now on. Um, that they both would potentially move on. And then, like an hour later, Russell Westbrook was like, "Yeah, I'm, I want out. I want out of here." So, so I don't know, man. Uh, I'm just gonna turn it over to you. I, I don't. Where do you want to go with this? What, what direction do we want to take this? It's it, it's not only like Westbrook. It's like <laughs> it was almost like the NBA media, especially the athletic writers, had this stuff and they were just waiting mm-hmm. for like the the big shoe to drop because like they dropped the Westbrook thing and then immediately the athletic reported that PJ Tucker is not happy with his contract. And somebody wrote an article about how the problem is not Westbrook, the problem is Harden. And then Austin Rivers is mad at Harden and you know and it's like all these things and it's and it's not if if you're like us and we see a lot of rocket stuff here and we also pay attention a lot here this is not anything that's surprising because this might be the second most volatile team in the nba behind maybe the clippers (laughs) (laughs) and you know the second that maury left i think i think like as much as you want to say like no i'm in it i'm in it this is this is me i want to be here like when that much noise happens the second your GM leaves to Philadelphia, like there's got to be some truth behind that stuff, and it's not just coming out of nowhere. Like, like these fake trades for Harden and Embiid are one thing, but the fact that a lot of NBA Twitter and a lot of NBA writers and media are like, okay, now where is Harden going to go? Means that there's got to be like somebody knows about some mm-hmm. sort of, mm-hmm. you know background stuff that's going on and that they and then tonight just kind of proved that whether it was Westbrook or Harden or both like it is just this is very classic you know this is a lot like whenever they were trading for CP3 they're like you know it went mm-hmm. from oh man CP3 and Harden can't play together anymore so now and then and then like a day later Westbrook was on the on the Rockets <laughs> and I feel like we're about to go through that again but instead of them wanting to play with each other it's it's a we just don't like it here <laughs> so yeah I just Fertitta's Fertitta is also a huge part of this problem yeah, too. Yeah. So look man I'm I, I'm sorry if you're a Rockets fan. I know. Like I and I will say in defense of Rockets I have said in the past like it stinks when you, when people hate your team. I I get it. It gets really old when like you love basketball and the team that you happen to live geologic geographically close to and support because of that, that they're just hated by every everybody that, that talks about basketball. It stinks. It's not fun. I feel bad for you to some degree. Um, it's not a fun team to watch either. <laughs> it's just, but this is like basketball Christmas. I mean, it's just so, it's so great. It's just so great to see all of these things happen because Fertitta's terrible. He is a terrible owner. He sh- he has no bi- he 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 has no business owning the team from a financial standpoint, and he has no business owning the team. If we're being honest, from a reputation standpoint, yeah, he like, also this, might should be in jail. So I, he, this is it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that he that he owns the team, and and this whole thing is is a joke because of that. Um, but also. James Harden sucks to play basketball with. And I'm so tired. I'm so tired 
of people pretending or kind of dancing around that issue and not quite coming out. It's not to the level of Chris Paul where it's like Chris Paul could come out on this on on the the uh, court with a minute left in the game and poop on the court and throw the ball twenty feet up into the stands. And basketball intelligentsia members would still be like, well, he's the point god, you know. They still would stand for him, and it just <laughs> I don't understand it. It's not quite to that level, but anytime, and I, I, I will say this, I think it's about to end. I think we are about to get scorched earth from, from NBA media. I think NBA media, I know NBA media, knows more than they, than they let on when they talk about James Harden, but there's this weird, like, sort of, you know, kind of dance around the bushes, skirt the edges, not quite say what we know or quite say what we want to say about James Harden. And it's that James Harden sucks as a person. He's not enjoyable to be around. As a basketball player, he whines constantly. He plays this very specific kind of basketball that is really good. He's really, really good at playing the kind of basketball that he that he plays, but it only works for the regular season and everyone hates playing with him. It has happened over and over and over and over again in his career that good to great players want out as fast as they can when they get around James Harden. He sucks as a person to play basketball with. There's just there's no other way around it at this point. And I'm it's possible that he's going to get traded somewhere to fill would it surprise you at all if James Harden was the best basketball player on a team that won a championship at some point in the next like three years? Would that super totally completely surprise you? Uh, no, I think that yeah. he could go to a couple places and be and sure. be successful. And I think Philly is definitely one of them. Um, totally. totally, you know, he's a good basket. He's a very very good basketball player. It's just I, that the I style also that he plays doesn't work. We also haven't seen Harden play basketball as a as a frontline starter mm-hmm. without D'Antoni before so I'm really while, interested anyway. to see yeah sure sure since he ran Kevin McHale out yeah well right. okay yeah I guess well since he's been James Harden I guess is what I what I mean like because sure. like he's definitely been on another level since you know mm-hmm. he's played for D'Antoni so like mm-hmm. it's not that he's gonna be bad I actually think it might be good for him quite honestly you know it, um, yes, and that that is my next point. In theory, whether he moves to another team or whether Houston changes the way that they do things, it should it would be good for him to relinquish the ball sometimes to play a little bit of a different style of basketball to get some rest while he's on the court and not have everything run through him at all times. It totally would be good for him, but we have to acknowledge that part of the problem is he does not want that. He does not want that. He wants to play basketball the way that he has played for the last few years that has been proven it does not work in the playoffs. When it gets when it really gets down to it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I don't know. I just I don't know how many times how many more times we have to see and by the way, I wanna I wanna rail against Westbrook too, because I mean peas in a pod, but like I don't know how many more times we have to see really good basketball players say, I, w- I want out of here as fast as I can. Whether it's Dwight Howard Well, the Howard thing with Westbrook, or- too, is that this, even when he was with the Thunder, we saw this coming mm-hmm. from a mile away because he was deteriorating hard and fast. And so, like, we're just kind of seeing the end of sure, sure. his productive years, and, and that's understandable. But Harden is still incredibly productive and could still possibly be, you know, in a in a in a purgatory void for the next however many years yeah. now because still yeah. because he you know there's no telling so 
I tell you what, I mean, seriously, the the Jared Dudley podcast with with I think with Simmons and Rosillo uh, like a month ago. I won't say it opened my eyes. Maybe maybe I have confirmation bias, but it, it it confirmed in my my mind how I feel about Harden. And part of that is that the other players think he's a fraud. That no one, I mean, the stuff that. <laughs> That Jerry Dudley was willing to say on the record about how they were going to go after James Harden was like kind of shocking for somebody who was first team All NBA this year and won the MVP two years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it, it 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 made me feel very confident in the belief that like the word around the league is that this dude is soft as heck and we can we you can do anything you want to him. He's not going to stop you. So it's not good. It's not good. Um, I'm just tired of it. Westbrook, on the other hand. <laughs> I don't know, man. I Here's what I see for Westbrook, and you tell me what you think. I think the best, and I've said this for probably half a decade, the best fit for Russell Westbrook is a team like Orlando, Detroit, possibly the Knicks, a team that is not good, but that has, you know, a few pieces here and there that are, like, semi-decent players or or maybe even, you know, like, in the case of Orlando, like, uh, you know, above-average players. And you just put the ball in his hands and say, all right, go be Russell Westbrook and you will get us the seventh seed. That's, that's like, his ultimate destiny to me. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, and this is totally, like, just wishful thinking, the Raptors play in Seattle next year. And then they just trade for Russell Westbrook and let him just play in <laughs> Seattle for his last productive season, uh-huh. probably. Sure, sure. That would be fantastic. It'll never happen, but you know, no, no. like that's the thing. Like I just don't like. I th- I agree with you. Like if he goes to Orlando, he's immediately their best player, but he's still gonna. They're still gonna be the seventh seed in the in the East, and so whatever. You know, it's just. I I think he's he had his chance to win his ring, you know with the thunder and it didn't come through, which is understandable. And I think mm-hmm. this was probably his last chance and they just totally ate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. was ridiculous. I just don't, I don't understand Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. Like, I just don't, that, that was really making the rounds uh, yesterday. I think maybe the day before it was a big, big point of emphasis on NBA Twitter. And I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't see, I don't see how that fixes the problems that the Clippers have. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not real sold. I just, I'm just not sold on Russell Westbrook as, as playoff performer at this point. I, I mean, mm-hmm. in, in fairness to him, he was injured and he had COVID and we have no idea what kind of ramifications that had on his body since every single person seems to, you know, react differently to this thing. So I, I, I don't know, but, but I also can't say that what we saw in the months prior to the shutdown and then the bubble and everything left me with with a whole lot of faith that that he's going to be able to to pick up the slack and get back to like a, a state of normalcy for him. I mean, mm-hmm. his game is just all predicated on on his athleticism and athleticism fades and he can't shoot. He's not a natural playmaker. He's not a good defender. I just don't. I mean, I don't know what you do with him, at, at, especially at the at the money you got to pay him. I just I just don't mm-hmm. I don't see it. I don't understand it. Um, maybe the Clippers are desperate enough to make, to try to make that happen. I, I admit that would be interesting, you know, Kawhi with, with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but I just, I don't know how it works basketball wise. So, um, I did also think it was a little bit, I, 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 I snickered a bit and I sent it to you the, that he presented Houston with, 
with some options and said that he would be willing to play for the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Hawks. Well, buddy, you make $40 million. Um, yeah. You've got, like, I think $113 million left on your contract at this point. Like, I don't know that you are in a position to be able to say you've got to send me to one of these four locations. I, I don't know. We're going to – I guess we'll see. Um, any other thoughts on Westbrook? You want to move on to a little draft no, talk? I've had enough of him. <laughs> this, this next week is going to be awesome, man. I, I'm just – I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for when the, whenever we officially get uh, a start date to trades – like, would it surprise you at all if they if the NBA announces tomorrow? Okay, uh, trades can be transactions can begin on Monday at eight a.m. That we're gonna wake up to like forty moves. Would it surprise you at all? Like, I think things are about to get wild. Yeah, I just don't think that. Um, I don't think that there's gonna be any normalcy in the sense that there's just so many things that have to happen fast. And usually like the players kind of dictate, you know, how the market goes. And I think that that's all done. I think this is going to be like a, if there is a chance that you can grab X player in a trade or whatever, it's going to be, we got to get this done now because we have training camp in two weeks, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that there's going to be anything, you know, I don't think there's going to be anything about that. That's going to be, you know, quick. I mean, sorry, this will be slow. And so who knows, man? Like, it's like, I've, I've said that before. And then next thing you know, the trade deadline goes by and then it's like one stupid trade happened. And you know, but there's just, there's too much, there's too much stuff. That's not just posturing that's been out there. And I think since, what was it you sent me with the draft? Like the, the draft is going to actually like, um, affect free agency somehow. Like I forget what it was that you sent me, but uh, I don't even remember. It had something sent to do with you Hayward. like four hundred things over yeah. the last few days. Basically, so. like I feel like since the draft is so close to free agency this year, mm-hmm. it's going to be, hey, you know, hey, Gordon Hayward. In two days, you're going to opt into this deal. So then we're going to trade for you, and then we're going to give sure. you, know, the Celtics this pick or whatever. So I, I yeah. think it's going to be insane. It's going to be wild. Can't wait. All right, let's talk to the draft for about 20 minutes real fast. We are going to cover the draft heavily next week. I'm just going to let you know. Um, we, th- we think we're going to have probably three episodes next week. One um, that will post the morning after the draft. And in, uh, in the, the run-up to that, we have a, a fun sort of uh, cross-promoted episode that we're doing with some friends of ours. We're going to do a full-on mock draft of the first round. And I think we're also going to get in some some Mavs-specific talk as well on a, a little bonus episode. So stay tuned for that next week. But you know I love the draft, Tobin. Um, we have covered this pretty heavily over the last few weeks. We've done, I think, nine bonus episodes uh, talking about the guys at the top of the board, um, the Isaac Okoros, the LaMelo Balls, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, et cetera, et cetera. We've covered all those guys. Um, we can we can touch on those those guys again if you want to, um, but we also want to hit a few of the uh, mid round players and then maybe some sleepers as well, and maybe even talk a little bit about guys that that um, we are higher on or lower on as compared to consensus. So I don't know, Tobes. Do you have a do you have a, a big board you want to discuss? I or do. do you want to get in? Let me just blow through mine real quick because I think sure. it's going to be similar to yours and probably be um, not as. I mean, I, like like I said, we've said agnosium. You are way way more intense about the stuff than I am. But I've done a lot of tape watching because we've been doing the weekly episodes. So it's kind of been sure. good because it's been forcing me to like hone in on certain players instead of just getting this un you know this insurmountable bag of videos like I usually do. And it's like overwhelming. It's been, it's been kind of nice. Um, 
my okay. So my number one on my big board is I have I have Denny, uh, mm-hmm. Avdi Avdiha, um, is my number one, and then the two I had Killian Hayes, three I have Okongwu, four I have Anthony Edwards, five I have Halliburton, six Devin Vassell, seven James Wiseman, and then the two that I think are biased because I've watched so much stuff on them, I have eight and nine I have Sadiq Bay and Aaron Naismith, and then t- at ten I have Lamelo Ball. So wow. Nice. Just I, I like it. Just looking at your like what we talked about out, mm-hmm. you know, who do I have higher lower? The obvious one I think is is I have Lamelo Ball pretty low, but as we talked about on our draft episode, I just I like he has the potential to be number one in this class very mm-hmm. easily. Sure. But I just his attitude and his pedigree and his family, and I just I don't have optimism that he's going to be as good as he thinks he's going to be, especially mm-hmm. considering the, the rumors of him going number one right now. And I think him with a whiny Carl Anthony Towns and a really he- heady <laughs> um, D'Angelo Russells is going to be pretty uh-huh. crazy. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's my I 10. Uh, I know that you have a Kongwu pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. I, I think our, our, I think two of my top three are probably your top two. So, I have at the moment I have Denny number one. I've gone back and forth between him and Edwards at, at two. I think Denny is probably a I don't want to say safer pick. I I'm really struggling with Anthony Edwards. Um, from a skill standpoint, I I think he's the best player in mm-hmm. the draft. It's by, really gonna matter about his his head. Is yeah. really what it is. I just I just don't I don't typically like guys who kind of sleep through games and and mm-hmm. stuff and and that I want intensity I he maybe more than anyone else in this certainly more than typical for me in a draft I'm really trying to consider what his um what his upbringing has been and what his his off the court life has been like the fact that I mean you know he really doesn't have parents. He was a football player up until like two years ago. He's he's a year young for this class. He re- reclassified for this class, and so I think there's some, I think there's some emotional immaturity there, and maybe even some physical immaturity. Which it, he's such a physical specimen to begin with that like if he, if he still has room to grow on that front, like holy cow! I just mm-hmm. he's so skilled. I just really it's really hard to look at him and be like, why aren't you playing hard in a lot of, of these games? But anyway, so I, right at this moment, I have Denny number one, Anthony Edwards, then a Kongu. I moved Killian Hayes down a little bit. I put Halliburton in front of him because I think Halliburton's safer. What I ultimately did is I put Hayes, Wiseman, and Lamelo all together in one little glob and just kind of am saying, these are the potential guys and all three of them could turn out to be really great. And all three of them could kind of turn out to be total busts. And it's really hard for me to, to say at this point, what I really think is going to happen with, with, with any of them. Um, I really liked Hayes when we did that episode and, and then I've gone back and watched a little more tape on him and I'm not, I'm a little bit, more concerned than I was when we did that episode a couple of weeks ago. I, I it's I wasn't aware of or I hadn't really I wasn't maybe factoring in the sort of uh let's say accommodations that his team made for him last year in Germany mm-hmm. of basically just saying this is almost the way that that uh 
that Ibarra or Ibarra whatever treated LaMelo kind of the same thing of like, it's more important for our team to show off this very talented player than it is for us to win basketball games. And they just kind of let him do whatever he wanted and have nine turnovers. And it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Uh, but I put those three just kind of grouped together. Uh, Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is a, is a tough one for me because I love him so much offensively and I hate him so much defensively. And it's just so hard to figure out um, where where we're going to sit on him at that point. So um, we talked about all those guys except for Devin Vassell. We did a full full episode on um, mm-hmm. at some point over the last few weeks. You can <laughs> and go he back has kind of shot those. up. Yeah. on board since we started doing this. So I think mm-hmm. that's part of that as well. Apparently he did not shoot well in some of his, uh, his, his try or, uh, is it tryouts? I don't even know if that's the right word, but some of his workouts, that's what I was going for with teams. He did not shoot well. And that is a huge thing. If he is not a, if Devin Vassell is not a very, very good shooter, maybe not elite, but like a very good shooter then his value on my board. And I think on boards across the league plummets because He's a, he's a very good defender, but if he can't shoot, then he only has, you know, the, the defensive side of the 3 and D, then he's not nearly as valuable as some of these other guys that are going to be on mm-hmm. the board. So, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see how that plays. Um, you mentioned Sadiq Bey and Aaron Naismith. I'm with you on both of those guys. I, I th- Those dudes are, like, legit shooters. I think Naismith is maybe the best shooter in the draft, um, and Bay's not far behind him. I love... I love the defense that Sadiq Bay can can bring to the table and and Naismith as well. I I think both of those dudes are like legit three and D guys that that maybe I mean they're not going to be great day one, but I think both of those dudes could be starters on most teams in the league immediately just because of the skill set that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the, and I think that that's two of my hopes for the Mavericks and so I that's probably why they rose up more than sure. most places probably would but they I, I'm I'm impressed by them and I hope that they you know kind of slip a little bit but I don't think they're like they, it, I, especially Sadiq I, I think he's been rising pretty rapidly so yeah I agree I've kind of come to the point where I don't I don't think there's any chance that Bay will be there I think there is for Naismith I think he could potentially be at 18 but um but we're gonna see I don't know um, so let's go here do you is there anybody Let's start with the positives. Is there anybody that you are higher on compared to consensus than, uh, you know, like, excuse me, that you are higher on compared to, you know, what the, the KOCs, the Sam Bassinis, the uh, Jonathan Gavonis of the world have on their, their big boards? Uh, it seems like if, we're, if I'm, look, I'm looking at some stuff, like and he's kind of been out of place, I'm pretty high on... Uh, Desmond Bain because we've mm-hmm. been, we've seen um, we've seen a lot of him writ locally in in Big Twelve type stuff and he he's I've seen him as low as like thirty and as high as like twelve and so mm-hmm. he's all over the place. Um, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm high on Nico Mannion, but he's not getting talked about that much, and I and he had such a high pedigree with when he was coming into Arizona and I have to wonder if he played a full year there, if he would be a little bit higher, but that dude came in as like the, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft whenever he went to Arizona. And it, and I am not really sure what happened as much. And I haven't watched a ton of film on him, but like I would, I wouldn't be, a, be opposed to taking a flyer on him if he, if he slipped to like late first, early second, because of 
what he could possibly bring to you as a guard. Um, but those are the probably the two that I'm, I'm probably higher on than some others would be. Um, I think that second round, if I'm looking at second rounders that I like, I really like uh, Tyshawn Alexander. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I love those mid-major type guys that that are winners and that play hard and that have played three or four years at the mid-majors. That, that's a great, like, bench player to come in and get you some some buckets off the bench. And, I, and you know, I've seen um, my own alums, you know, my own alma mater, Jameis Ramsey. He's kind of been as high as 21 and as low as, like, I think I saw him at 46 the other day. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I have no idea how to what, what's to evaluate him. But I think he could be pretty good if he falls in the right situation as well. Sure. Uh, I'm also high on Bain, a little higher than consensus. Uh, KOC had him at 20, I believe, and he's higher th- on on him than than uh, any of the other boards that I was looking at. I think that guy just. I wish he was two inches taller or had a you know three inches wider mm-hmm. wingspan. Um, that'd be great because that could really up his defensive versatility. He's six six with a six five wingspan, I think, and that, I don't like negative wingspan. That's always a that's no fun, but he's just, he is a ball. I mean, he just gets buckets. Um, I really dig him. And so I'm, I'm very high on him, especially in this draft again, you know, that's like, just, is there, can I find somebody who can, you can be in my, my top eight? Okay. This guy for sure. Um, I feel really confident about that. I like him a lot. I like Paul Reed from DePaul a lot more than, than consensus, I guess. Um, I watched, I, Watched a lot of tape on him, and I just I think the I mean he's very raw, but gosh I like the the intangibles there, and I think he could shoot I, I don't know I think he could shoot better than than what he showed in college, um, and there's a lot there's a real defensive intensity to him that I super dig. I love Tyler Bay. Um, there was a point in the, this draft process that I was really high on the concept of the Mavs drafting Sadiq Bay at 18 <laughs> and Tyler Bay at 31 and getting the Bay Bay brothers. Um, I don't think either of those things are, are going to happen at this point. You're probably going to, for the Mavs standpoint, you're, you're probably reaching a little bit to draft him at 18, but he's probably not going to be there at 31. I just think he's a modern NBA basketball player. Just like he can't shoot really much at all, but I think you use him as a role man. He can defend four positions. I, I really dig what he brings to the table. Um, and I really, I, I'm way higher on Emmanuel quickly from, um, from Kentucky than consensus is at this point. I just, mm-hmm. he's another one that like, you wish he was two inches taller, but he has like a six, nine wingspan. Um, I think he probably is only a one and a half position defender, which is, t- which is tough from a guy who's not a point guard. He, he's, he's going to play, he, he has to line up sort of as your shooting guard or like a combo guard type, I think. <laughs> And that makes it hard to find a fit because you got to have a point guard that could then guard a shooting guard most nights. Um, but he really gets after you defensively, and he is maybe the – I mean, he's top three or four shooter in the draft. He is lights out. And he has this super quick release. I think he's going to end up going in, like, the 40s, and he's a to-, to me, he's a total steal. Like, I have him in the – around 20, 24, 25 on my draft board personally. Hmm. I think he's really, really good. All right, let's go the opposite route. Who are some guys that uh, consensus is higher on than you are? I think that the easy one is uh, Patrick Williams. Um, yeah. We talked about that off the air the, earlier today. Uh, it seems like the rumor is is that he's gotten a promise from the Pistons at seven. <laughs> I'm just, I don't, yeah. I don't see that. Uh, I think that that's a pretty, a pretty rough 
like, oh gosh, like I, I, there's so many things you could do at seven in that he might be the last one I would choose, like out of those options. Um, yeah, man. I think that uh, I, I've seen him all over the place. I think RJ Hampton is rising a little bit, but I also think that, you know, 14, he seems pretty locked in at 14. I don't think that he's going to be as good as, is like, to, so, so kind of like the Nico Mannion thing, Nico Mannion came in and was like, he's going to be the number one pick in a year. RJ Hansen kind of had some of that to his, to his as well, but then he went to New Zealand and had injuries and had bad play. And I, I just don't know if he's cut out for, I, I, I would have loved to seen him play, a full college season, like in a blue blood situation or maybe even like two college seasons. Cause I, I think he can be good, but I just don't think he's going to be as good as a 14. Um, I I've seen a few people, I can't pronounce his last name, but the, the Zeke Naji from yeah. Arizona, yeah. that guy is flying up boards in. I, I, I watched some tape on him. Yeah. Cause like for like a late, he, the dude, doesn't he can't play basketball. No, he's, he's, he's like, and a he's a big who can't, Guard the rim, he can't pass the ball well. Yeah, and he doesn't really he kinda, rebound either. I mean, it's, it's but like, that's that's what everybody thinks he's great at is that he's rebounding. He averaged eight point six rebounds yeah. as a seven one person in college. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah, played, I that's another one that like I I think I think I saw KOC had him going twenty something um, the other day, and I was just like that that one didn't. But I saw like Tankathon had him at like nineteen one day, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just don't I don't see that at all. I, so that would be probably the few that I would put. I'm totally with you on Patrick Williams. The, what I will say in Patrick Williams, in the defense of drafting Patrick Williams very high, is if you're a team like the Pistons and you're sitting at seven and you have no talent on your roster pretty much at all, and you watch the top six and it's like. Lamella Ball, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Denny Abia, Okongwu, Halliburton, and Obi Toppin, you know, in some order. And you're just like, well, cool. Now, do can we, is, is Isaac Okoro uh, like a top three player on a good team ever? No, I, I'm not super sure that that's going to happen. Is same said for, for somebody like uh, Devin Vassell or, or whoever. I mean, it just, Maybe Killian Hayes, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like it's very easy to to see a scenario where six play the six players taken in front of the Pistons are all like high potential guys, and then they're sitting there looking at Sadiq Bay and saying, "This does nothing for us from a foundational standpoint. We might as well take the guy that has some potential." So we'll just we'll roll the dice on Patrick Williams. I don't get it at all. I I you know what's funny is is. If you look at, so I did this, like, I did a Google sheet that I sent to you with the, just sort of a consensus board with ESPN, uh, the Ringer, Tankathon, The Athletic, and and, and uh, Sports Illustrated with where they had all these top 60 guys on their board. And if you actually look at the boards, they range, they don't, they don't get as high as seven. A couple of guys have them at nine, but he really does sort of sit in that 15-ish range for most of these teams. And I think that's fair given the potential, but I also, I think he runs the risk of being a, what does he do guy? Cause it's just like, well, he's, he has, you know, everyone, he shows a little bit of, of shooting flash. Cool. He shows a little bit of defense. Cool. He blocks some shots every once in a while. Cool. But it's, it is, it's really sort of hit, not even hit and miss. It's just, 
random stretches where he's really good for a second, and then you're, you. I guess what I'm saying is you are projecting big time if you if you pick him. It's a. I think it's a really big risk. I don't see because I do, I also the thing for me, Tobin, that I think solidifies of why I'm not real comfortable with him is. I don't think he projects as a wing defender. I think he's a... Yeah, I don't either. I think he's only somebody who's going to be able to guard some fours. Like, I just don't... I don't think he's big enough to guard a lot of fives. And I know five, you know... But, like, it's not like every team is running out of, like, a you know, a Kareem or something every night. But, like, I just think he's going to get killed by bigger guys. And I think he's going to get smoked by smaller guys. And there's just... There's not... To me, there's not a lot of defensive versatility on display there. And yet that seems to be the thing that, that everybody comments on is like, wow, he's got a lot of defensive versatility. I don't see it. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I just, I really struggle to find on the tape with him, like, okay, this is why I think he's going to be really good. It's just not. I think some people think he can be Draymond defensively. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't see that. Like, like I, I could see him guarding some fours because he's bigger Ooh. and his wingspan, his wingspan is big. Sure. But sure. I don't, I don't see I don't see a versatile three to five defender. You know, there's some people that are comparing him to Kawhi, and that is freaking insane to me. Like Kawhi Leonard in college was one of the like five best defensive players I've ever seen. Like that's not that is not a I don't know. And he still went. I don't get it. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, because he couldn't shoot. I I just I just don't see it. Like again, if you're if you're a team that is starred for potential of somebody who can one day be a foundational piece. I, I guess I understand that. But like so many of these other teams, I, I just, I think there's guys all over the board that can help your team. And I think this, I think Patrick Williams really, there's a, it's a risk that he completely flames out in, in a few years. He just, there's a lot of weird things to me there with him. I also don't like precious Achua. I, I it's, I love the energy. That's cool. But like, if your only skill is your motor and your energy, I don't want to spend a first round pick on that. I don't think. Um, so I'm a little lower on him than others. I have Cole Anthony way lower on my draft board than most people, and I'm just gonna stick with that because I just, I think he's Sebastian Telfair. I just don't. I just don't have any interest in what he what he brings to the table. I, I think he is a guy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dog on your boy Mannion too. I think both of these guys. <laughs> Their entire resume, or the bulk of their resume anyway, is built on that they were highly rated prospects coming out of high school. And I would like to remind everyone that that Mike Scott was once the number one player in his high school class. So, like, the, these rankings coming out of high school mean absolutely nothing to well, me. Well, and it's and not as much the rankings coming out of high school. It's that he was, he was a, you know, a highly touted recruit that... Right. You know, it's kind of like the Michael Porter stuff. Like Michael Porter would have been the number one pick before the injuries, that, mm-hmm. as by all right. accounts. I, sure. That's what they were kind of doing with Nico Mannion. And then, you know, I have to wonder in this year if it would have been different if he got a full season under his belt. But you know, but I I agree with you. Like that's that's something that you need to be watching out for if you're you know a drafter. Mm-hmm. I I just part of my whole draft philosophy is I don't trust anybody who loves college basketball. <laughs> to be a, a draft uh, expert or whatever, or yeah. to, to offer an analysis on that. And I, I have a really hard time. I think that that, that that AAU bit and the high school ranks and whatnot, I think that factors into how we look at players for, for some people mm-hmm. and that we, we carry that over. Like, well, he would, you know, Cole Anthony was a, the number one player in his class pretty much or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't really care because I watched him play basketball at UNC 
and I see a lot of skills that do not translate to the NBA very well, at least not as a starter. Um, so I'm not a big fan of Cole. I mean, Cole, like as a first, as a late first round picks, fine for Cole Anthony, but I think there are, are better small guards on the board that are probably going to get picked later than he does. Nico Mannion, I straight up wouldn't draft. Like I, if, <laughs> if I had time to scout 80 players, I'm pretty sure I would have him out of my top 60. I don't think he has, I don't think he has one single NBA skill to be honest with you. Um, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't know. Maybe in like the late forties or something, but I'm not super sold on it. Um, <laughs> I'm looking on the, and the other guy that like, have you watched? Do you watch tape on on Alexei Posevsky from? Uh, <laughs> I, I refuse to, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm already like waiting to get mad about it and then convince <laughs> myself that it'll be okay. Like, <laughs> I I will say this: the that that mock draft by John Hollinger was terrible. So well, like, I'm not. <laughs> you say that, but he's not the only one that has him going to the match. I, so. I, I, I fully understand that. I'm not saying that it's not even going to happen. Like it might, it might be something that, that could happen uh, for Dallas, but the, the exclusive reasoning that, that Hollinger and anyone like him has for, for slotting him as a, as a pick for the Mavs at 18, the exclusive reasoning is, well, the Mavs like European players. And that's it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. There's Johnny no sourcing. Johnny Nelson goes to Europe, no, so... Yeah. <laughs> there, it's, it's the laziest kind of basketball, like, analysis. Like, that kind of content drives me nuts. Like, you're right. We do like European players. That does not mean that it is... Uh, anyway. I mean, they, they, could, they could take him. The tape on him is so funny because... <laughs> I mean, he's impossible to compare to anybody. He, he genuinely... He, he Like, from the skill set standpoint, he really is a unicorn. Like, there is no one like him, I don't think. Also, he's playing against toddlers. Like everybody on the court is like an eight-year-old. It's it's so, it's so funny. I don't know. It it sort of reminded me a little bit of of the Giannis tape, um, right before that draft. But but even the Giannis tape, you're like, I don't know what's gonna happen with this guy because again, it looks like he's playing against against little tiny babies. But the athleticism is gonna translate. So at least he'll have that to hang his hat on. I don't know if anything else with this kid, not so much. I mean, he there's. There's times where he kind of gets bullied by a 15 year old, so it's it's odd. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. I, I I don't really I don't really get it. Um, real fast, is there any any sleeper guy? You you mentioned Nico Mannion, so maybe I've already you, you've already hit yours. But you got any guys that are going to be for sure, very likely are going to be mid to late second round picks or or undrafted that you that you like? I I, I think Tyshawn Alexander is the one that I I think that if I was in like the 40s. I would hope that he would slip to me and that's who I would, I would go for. But I think they, I've seen him going in the first round lately too. Um, I think Vernon Carey is interesting. I, mm-hmm. You could probably speak more about him since it being a Duke guy, but I think that he could be interesting in the late forties or early forties. Other than that, no, like that's like this, this is such a weird draft. I've seen a lot of Cassius Stanley. I've seen a lot of uh, Cassius Winston, which is mm-hmm. weird that we have mm-hmm. two Cassius's. I know. Um, yeah. Cash eye. How is that? Cash eye. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think, I think Tyshawn Alexander would be my, the one I would be hoping for if I was in the forties. I like him as well. And I think he might go undrafted. He's not, um, I don't, see, and, I, and I don't get that. I've seen, cause I, I you're right. I've yeah. seen him undrafted. I've seen him as high as 31. I've seen him as high as, 
I mean, as, as in the mid forties, like it's just, you know, which the second round is wills off always. And so like, you know, predicting the second round is sure, dumb anyway. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I told, I'm totally with you on that. Um, I like him a lot, but he's like not in the top 60 on three of the five boards that I, that hmm. I put, uh, on this comp sheet. And I don't really get, I mean, again, he's another one that you just wish was a couple inches taller, but that's, mm-hmm. that's it. I really like what he brings to the table. I think if you're looking for an off the bench guard, um, there's a lot of those guys in this mm-hmm. draft, and you're and some just by default, some of them are going to slip into the the mid 40s. So that that's part of like my reasoning for why I would be a little frustrated taking Cole Anthony if I ended up spending my you know my late teens to mid 20s pick on Cole Anthony. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little frustrated because. I think that some of these other guys like Peyton Pritchard and you mentioned Cassius Winston and some others, Grant Ryler is like a, a scoring machine. Like I think you can fill that role later in the draft if you're just patient. Um, so I think there's a lot of those guys. I'm pretty high on Trey Jones. I think he, I say pretty high. I just think he has real NBA skill set, and he may end up going in the, later um, late 30s to early 40s or something i think he could play cassius stanley i love that's a dude i actually would target if i was a team that had a pick in the in the 30s or 40s because i think the athleticism is unbelievable and to me when i watch him play he definitely has like fundamental problems and and just you know these little he has these moments where you're like what are you doing dude to me, he just, and I, I know you know this type of guy, he seems like somebody who has always been the best athlete that he's ever been on a court with, and then once he got to Duke, that wasn't necessarily the case mm-hmm. all of the time. and or, or the difference between him and the second best athlete on the court was a lot closer than it had ever been, and he was trying to adjust. But I actually think he can shoot a little bit, and I know he can defend, and he is a ridiculous athlete. I think his vertical was 46 inches at the combine. I mean, Jeez. Give me that. I mean, like in the second round, yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's 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 see what we can do. If Last can guy, dra- yeah. Sorry, go if ahead. If you can draft Duke athletes in the second round, that might yeah. actually be good role players. Like I don't totally like that's you know like that's kind of the same thing with the mid major guys. Like if I'll take a mid major senior or mm-hmm. a Duke or a Duke sure. athlete in the second round before I'm going to take some random dude sure. from Europe or a random team. So yeah, I mean, like think about uh, Hamadou Diallo for from Oklahoma yeah. City. Like if you can get that in the late second round, I mean, or mid second round, like why? Yeah, totally, sure, I'd love to have that. that can is he going to be a starter on my playoff team? Probably not, but he can be. A, could he be like a rotation piece that can get a few minutes? Yeah, I think so. Um, last two, really fast. I know we want to get out of here. I really like Skylar Mays from LSU, and I think he potentially could go undrafted. He's another one who's like. I'm looking for his. He's like Tankathon has him at 50 right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not rated by KOC. He's in the 40s and 50s on most of these boards. It's, so it's really possible that he drops out of the the draft altogether. Um, and that's somebody who I really like as an off the bench versatile kind of guy. He his game. He's not anywhere. I want to be clear on this. He's not anywhere near as good as this player was. But just from a game standpoint, aesthetically and stuff, he kind of reminds me of Darren Williams. Um, mm. He's real big and wide, and he kind of he uses his body really well. And I just think he can do a lot of little things pretty well. And that uh, yeah. I see value in that. And the last guy I'll mention is uh, Abdule Indoye, and I'm probably butchered that. Um, the like, I mean, he's super duper raw, and I don't, you know, it may not ever click. 
for me, it's as simple as he's playing point guard in France. He's not a point guard. I'm going to draft. He's his. He is. I think he's six foot five, and he has a seven foot two wingspan. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like, and when you watch him on the court, you're just like, "What is happening?" Like his, his he looks. <laughs> he it's 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 like minute bowl or something. I mean, it's like it's so weird to watch him. But he's he's pretty athletic, and he uses his length really well. I just think to me, it's as simple as. Well, this guy's not a point guard, so we're just going to make him... All we're going to do is focus on helping to make him a decent catch-and-shoot guy, and we're going to make him sort of a small 3 and D guy, and and we'll be okay with it. And maybe he has like some secondary playmaking skills to go with it, but I like him in the back 40s or 50s if uh, if he's there. All right, man, we've we've done a lot. Um, I think we could, if you want, we could we could put we could put my little draft guide in the show notes on this episode if our listeners want to click through and... See what I've done. I am by no means uh, to the level of of somebody who's doing this full time, like the KOCs and uh, and this the Sam Vecinis of the world and such. But uh, I I've spent a lot of time on this thing, and I know you have as well. And so we've got some good. I think we have some good thoughts on that. We'll cover the draft heavily next week, like I mentioned with our multiple episodes. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for being here. If you like what you heard, we greatly appreciate you listening to us. Uh, help us out by telling a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped market. And leave us a five-star rating, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. As I said, we will be back next week with more draft content. And if you really haven't had enough of us already this week, then stick around tomorrow for a very special bonus episode in which we will be breaking down The Bachelorette on ABC with a very special guest. Until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.